Guys, thank you so much for coming um, out to church again tonight and worshiping with us. Um, if you were here last week, um, you would have known uh, Phil preached um, a, a message from 1 Corinthians. I want to just read one verse as, as reference to that. Um, he talked about um, Israel's history. And in verse 11, it says that these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of all ages has come. And so for the next number of weeks in the evenings, we're going to look at the, some warnings and some examples of Israel's history. Some warnings and some examples that Paul says that we have the privilege of having this book, of having the history, of understanding what they went through, of understanding what struggles they faced. And for us, it is to be warnings and examples for us to live our lives. And so I'm going to um, read from Numbers chapter 13. So if you have a Bible, do you want to turn there? It's going to come up on the screen if you didn't bring one with you tonight. But I want to speak from a title um, that I shared a, a number of weeks ago on, on a Friday night, but I feel like I want to share it again here in church. And if you're taking notes, the title is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Does anyone seen the film, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? I did this on a Friday night and felt so old because people were like, Honey, I Shrunk the Who? Like, what is this? I was like, oh dear. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And just to give a bit of an idea of of the context of where we're going to be jumping into in the story. God has given in Genesis Abraham a, a promise. He says, I'm going to take your descendants, I'm going to make you the father of nations, and I'm going to take you and put you into a land. I'm going to give you a promised land, the land of, of Canaan. And it's going to be your own land. It's going to be fertile. It's going to be flowing with milk and honey. It's the perfect place for you, and it's going to be your very own. And he, he tells that, he, he speaks to, God speaks to Abraham and says, your people are going to have to go through some tough times. They're, they're going to go through 400 years of slavery to Egypt. But my promise will still stand and you will be in the promised land. And so what happens is we go through generations. Israel go into slavery in Egypt. And many of us will know the, the story of Moses, if you've seen any of the movies, The Princes of Egypt, or you'll know uh, God speaks to Moses at a burning bush, says, hey, I'm going to use you to go and take my people out of slavery. And so that's what Moses does. The plagues come. He, he gets the people out of slavery. And then they go through the miraculous splitting of the Red Sea. God delivers them out of their slavery. And we're, we jump into the story where they, they go through and they get their ten, the ten Commandments. And if I was to spend, I could be here all night explaining what's going on, but we're just, they're on the part of the journey where they're, they get to the edge of the promised land. They're on the edge of the promised land here. They see it. And Moses says, hey, okay, we're going to send 12 spies in. 12 spies are going to go in and get a report of the land. Just bring back a report, what it looks like, what's happening, what, do they have cities, do they have army, do they have a fortress, what's it look like, and bring back a report. And we jump into this passage of their report. Numbers chapter 13, 
and verse 26. It says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are, are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Enoch there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Enoch came from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. So we're going to look at this idea of what we can learn from this story. What we can learn. We have been given this privilege of hearing this story. To learn of warnings and examples of what we can learn about our promised land. And so I want to start by asking you, what is your promised land? What is the thing you feel like God has promised over your life? It might be to see someone particular, a friend, a family member, saved. It might be to see someone healed. It might be that God would provide for you. It might be for wherever you are right in your life now, that God would give you breakthrough, that God would... Uh, Maybe you're looking for a partner. Maybe you're looking for a job. Maybe you're looking for some sort of breakthrough in your life. What is your promised land? We're going to look at how we can learn from their story tonight. But does anyone in here have any phobias? Some people. Anyone scared of spiders? More people are scared of spiders than have phobias. That's interesting. Um, we... When I got, when Kelsey and I got married, um, we obviously moved into a house together. Um, and then, like, we never really talked about this, but I don't like spiders, and Kelsey doesn't like spiders. So it was going to be a bit of a, a tense moment when a spider came into the house. And it came in one day. It didn't, like, creep in. It, like, kicked the door down. Like, this thing was huge. And we were lying watching TV, and then we... we went to go up to bed and went in to brush my teeth. Um, and our, our kitchen is like, uh, it's like a chemistry lab. It's so white. Like you turn the lights on, you're like blind. It's like, oh, everything is white and so, so white. But we were sitting, I went in to, to brush my teeth. And as I walked in, like I just saw it there. Like you could hardly not see it. It had set up camp in our, in our um, bathroom. It was huge. But we have like beside our toilet is one of those wee like pedal bins. And it was like under the pedal. But it was like, sitting there with like its legs hanging out, being like, I'm here. I'm, I've taken up residence in the bathroom. And I'm like, <gasps> like, heart stopped. I was like, oh my goodness, this thing's huge. And then it was like, Kelsey, there's a spider here. <laughs> Do you want to get it? 
And then, like, realizing, like, no, like, I'm the husband, I'm the man, I have to do this. But I was freaking out. And so I think I spent about, genuinely, about 15 to 20 minutes assessing the situation, trying to be like, okay, how do we do this? What are we going to do here? Um, and so I ran downstairs and got a, a, a brush. And um, so there's me, like, standing at the door, like, attacking this bin, like, trying to flip the bin. Um, and I, I flipped the bin over, but then the spider, like, moved back into the bin. And I was like, oh, my days, I'm freaking out here. And Kelsey's, like, standing beside me, like, doesn't even want to look in. She's freaking out. But I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I could think of nothing else but this spider. I honestly was freaking out. Now, if you actually saw the size of it, it was tiny. But I was just building up so much, like, I need to get this. Like, oh, I'm freaking out here. Um, and so another 20 minutes later of me, like, poking the bin. And you're thinking, David, just go in. Like, you're much bigger than it. Guys, you didn't see the size of it. It was huge. Um, and eventually, I just kept focusing on it and thinking, and do you know why, like, you see, like, for anyone who doesn't like spiders, you see a spider, and then it, like, runs and hides away, and then it just starts to get bigger and bigger in your imagination. It's growing, and it's the size of your hand at some point, and you're just like, I'm genuinely terrified of this. And I was freaking out so much, because I was just focused on it so, so much. I, I couldn't think about going to sleep. I completely couldn't brush my teeth. I didn't want to, I was, I was ready to move house there and then, like, and I just remember freaking out because I was focusing on it so, so much that it started to become bigger and bigger in my head. I really definitely over-exaggerated. I don't, did we kill it in the end? I did. I did. I beat, I beat Goliath. Um, I was going to freak out being like, what if it's still in there? Like, <laughs> but the thing is, because I was so focused on it, in my mind it started to become bigger. Because I was so focused on it, See, what you focus on, you magnify. And what you magnify, you make bigger. And within this story, we, we see that they focused on the wrong things. There are several, there's a couple of things that we see that the Israelites focused on. But what you focus on, you magnify. And what you magnify, you make bigger. You'll know this if you are scared of spiders. Or else, some of you even in here tonight can't even listen to what I'm saying. Because this week... There's something that you might have to do. There's a meeting that you have, maybe in work, maybe later on, but someone, there's something that's taken up your focus. And what happens is, have you ever got a text from someone saying, hey, can we chat? And you're just like, no. Like, what about? Ah, we just want to chat. About what? Like, tell me. And you start to re, like, reevaluate everything you've done in your life, like every bad mistake, every sort of, you know, bad thing you've done. You're freaking out. Because what happens is we, we are focused on it, and what you focus on, you magnify, and what you magnify, you make bigger. And in this story, we see that the Israelites had two choices of what they focused on. I want to look at some things as warnings and examples that we can learn from their story about our promised land. And I want to ask you, what are you focusing on in these things? And the first one is this, favor or flaws? Favor or flaws? Are you focusing on the favor or the flaw? We live in a culture and a society today where if something is too good to be true, then it probably is. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. Have you ever got those emails, like they say you've won an iPad? Hey, you're our one millionth visitor. And you're thinking, I've never visited you in my life. But they're saying, like, we're giving, giving you an iPad. Or, like, you get, like, an email from, like, someone saying they're your Nigerian cousin and they've got eight million pounds if you just reply to them. And you're like, this is rubbish. This is far too good to be true. 
And so what we do is we focus on the flaws. We think there is no way, this is too good to be true. And this happened to me at the, in December 2016. I, I was buying my first car, hire purchase, and I'm on the website it said um, 500 pound cashback. And I thought, so if I buy this, they are going to give me 500 pounds. I thought, this is too good to be true. There is no way. And I started like, type, like checking some stuff up, doing some reviews, seeing like, has anyone else actually done this? Or is this just too good to be true? But the reality was, they actually did give me 500 pound. I don't know what we've done with it. Like I probably bought clothes or something stupid, but um, we, we got, it was actually true. And I wonder if I would have missed out on the favor because I was focused on the flaw. And I wonder with you and your promised land, are you gonna miss out on the favor that God has over you? The favor that God has in your life because you just think, no, it's too good to be true. You would love maybe God to save your spouse, your friend, that person in work. And you think, do you know what? If God could save them, that would be incredible. But do you know what? That's just too good to be true. There is no way God could do that. Or maybe you're in here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus and you just think, see this Christianity thing, too good to be true. There is no way it is that good. And what we do is we start to focus on the flaws rather than on the favor. But with God's favor, there are no flaws. God is true to his word. We sang it, God is faithful. If we were to focus on his favor and trust it, we would be able to see, hey, God actually is true to his word. God promised me this and he brought it to fulfillment. I've said it a couple of times, but God is more concerned about doing a work in you than doing a work through you. And the Israelites have found this out, that God is true to his word. Verse 27, it says that we entered a land that you sent us to explore, and it is indeed bountiful. They must have thought, God says, hey, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you your own place your own fertile land. I'm going to take you out of captivity and slavery and I'm going to give you your own place. They must have thought this is too good to be true. I don't know if I agree with this. And then they go in and they search it out and they say, hey, like this is actually true. God said that it was going to be bountiful. God said it was going to be fertile. God said it was going to be flowing with milk and honey. And I was, we were sort of focused on the flaws. But when we went in, hey, he was true to his word. He was true to what he said. And so God's wanting to do a work in us, guys. He's more concerned about doing a work in you than doing a work through you. And his will for our lives is that we will possess our promised land. If it is to see that person saved, if it is to see breakthrough in your life, God wants to see that. That is his will for your life. If he's promised it, he wants to see it happen. But here's the great thing about God. He doesn't just limit it to that. God doesn't just want to limit his, the will for our lives just that you will have your promised land. His will for our lives is that we will rely on him. We will lean on him. We will trust in him for absolutely everything. We will trust in him for absolutely everything. And God has to try and prove this, that we live in a culture that says if it's too good to be true, then it probably is. And God is trying to prove to us, hey, I am as good as I say I am. I am not like culture. I am not like society, where if it's too good, then it's not really, it's not actually true. It's not going to happen. God is trying to tell you, hey, I am as good as I say I am. 
And sometimes what he has to do is he has to put us in situations to prove that he is as good as he says he is. Sometimes he has to put you in a situation for you to, to lean on him. That despite your surroundings, that he is as good as he says he is. And the Israelites knew the promise. They knew what the promise was, that they were going to inherit this land. And so they could focus on God having favor in them and that this was actually going to happen. Or they could focus on the flaws and think, no, I don't know if this is good. I don't know if this is really going to actually happen. And so what are you going to focus on in your promises, in your promised land? We have their story as warnings and examples to us. What are we going to focus on? The favor or the flaws? The second thing that we can focus on is the potential or the problems. The potential or the problems. Do you focus on the potential or the problem of your promised land? As it says, Numbers 13, 27 says, it is indeed a bountiful country. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. And they go on to say, here is the kind of fruit it produces. Verse 23 of uh, Numbers 13 actually tells us what the fruit is. It says, when they reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. Here's the proof of how bountiful and fertile this land is. It takes two people to carry a bunch of grapes. They highlighted the potential of the land. They saw, hey, this land is, this land is fertile. This is as good as God said it was, but that was not their focus. They didn't focus on the potential, but they focused on the problems. Do you know how you can tell what someone's focus is? By how they usually speak and finish sentences. You might hear someone say, do you know what? That went really well this week. That went really well. Had three salads. Went out 14 runs. But, but, and you know where the focus is, but had a, had a biscuit at the weekend. And then I thought, do you know what? It's, I've just lost it. So I had three pizzas and a tub of Ben and & Jerry's and I thought, that'll do for breakfast. And then lunch came. And, and so there's their focus. The focus is not on what was good. It was on the problem. The focus wasn't on the potential. It was on the problem. Or else someone says, oh, yeah, my report card. Great, yeah, yeah. Three A stars, three A's, four B's. But I got a D in maths. And so there's the focus. The focus is not on what they, the potential, but the focus was on the problem. Or, or, or someone saying, yeah, like, I really like that guy. Like, you know, he's nice. He's, he's tall, dark, and handsome, yeah. But he's really sarcastic. He's too sarcastic for me. And there again is the focus. We are focusing on the problem, not the potential. And they focused on the problem in this passage. Because we read in verse 27, if you're there with me, 27, it says that we went into the land which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But verse 28 says, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Enoch there. And so here we see their focus. Their focus isn't on, look at this fruit. Look at it, it's taken two people to carry this bunch of grapes in. Or this land is fertile. Or this land is flowing with milk and honey. It is, ah, but look at this. 
And so with your promised land, what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the potential of what God could do with you or what God could give you? Or are you focusing on the buts, but this or but that? And so we can miss what God is doing. We can miss our promised land because of where our perspective is. The Israelites saw the potential, but they, instead they focused on the problems. The potential was that it was a bountiful country, milk and honey. It had huge produce, but the problems were the powerful people. It's large towns. It's a fortified city. Your potential of your promised land might be that you will see your friend or your family saved. Your potential might be the person that you sit beside in work or university or the person you, you go to the gym with or on a sports team with. That might be the potential. Hey, I could see this person's life transformed. I could see breakthrough. But our problem is we just focus on, but what if they say no? What if I invite them to Alpha or I invite them to church and they, they reject me? Or I might look a bit stupid. Or our pride can get in the way. Yet sometimes the enemy, the problems in our lives that we focus on is the enemy trying to protect the potential. That the enemy doesn't want that person that you work with or that person that you sit beside to come to know Jesus. They don't want to see them in here. And so he will use your focus, get you to focus on the problem so that he protects the potential. If I can get them to focus on the wrong thing, then they will stop running after this. They will stop praying for this. They will stop pursuing this. And that person will be stuck with me and they will never come to know Jesus. And that could be what the enemy's tactics are. We have to expect that the enemy is possessing our promised lands, that he is already there possessing the promised lands. And the last thing that we could choose, what we choose to focus on is faith or fear. Do you focus on the faith or do you focus on the fear? Numbers 13, 32 to 33. 12, there's the old song that they sing about 12 spies going in to report, to bring back a report. 12 go in, two were good, the 10 were bad. And so we have that story here. 30, verse uh, 32 says, so they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Enoch. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Friends, who are we listening to in our lives? Who are you listening to? You see, the people you surround with are the people who will influence you. They will be the voices that you hear. And so we have, we have 12 people going in. Moses says, bring back a report. It's quite interesting because Moses says, bring back a report. But they don't bring back a report. They bring back an opinion. They bring back an opinion on what they, they think they should do. Moses didn't ask that. God didn't say that. They said, bring back a report. Because God's saying, the land is going to be yours. I'm giving it to you. I don't need you to bring back an opinion of what you think we should do or whether you think we'll make it or not. This is your land. I'm giving it to you. So bring back a report and we will assess how we'll take it because it is yours. And so 12 of them go in. 
And two, focus on the faith. They say, hey, we can take this. We've got this. And 10 come back and they focus on fear and they think, hey, I can't, we can't do this. We're not going to be able to do this. We're not going to be able to take this promised land. Who have you got around you? Do you have people around you who are going to push you to possess your promised land? Do you have people around you who are going to push you to see the best, to see your, you possess the promised land? Or do you have people who be like, yeah, you're right. Do you know what? I don't know if we'll, we'll see breakthrough. Don't know if God can, is able to do that. Or do you have people who get alongside you say, hey, come on, let's do this together. Because the people who are around your life are those who are influencing you. And you might have people around you that you think, hey, but they're my friends. I like them. They're good people. But are they influencing us? Are they influencing you to possess your promised land? Because these words, church, were written to us as warnings. And many of you will know the story that what happens is they don't go and take the land. They don't. They focus on the flaws. They focus on the problems. They focus on the fear. And they do not take the land this time. And so God says to them, anyone over the age of 20 will never possess this land. He takes them into the wilderness until hundreds of thousands of them die in the wilderness because they didn't take the land, because they had people around them who focused on the fear, who thought, no, we can't do this. I wonder how many of us are going to miss promised lands because we are focusing on fear, because we have people around us saying, no, you're right. You know what? We'll just, we'll settle for a safe life. We'll settle for a comfortable life. We'll settle for just normality. And we'll get to the end of our lives and be like, why did we do that? What are you focusing on? Do you know that the enemy will also show us exactly what we don't want to see? Verse 22 of the passage says that they went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Aham, Ahaman, what? Sheshai and Talmai, the descendants of Enoch lived. This passage tells us that they walked past this specific place of Hebron where these three people, the descendants of Enoch, live. It tells us that they were uh, offspring of uh, the, the Nephilim, which were giants in the land. They walked past and they saw giants in the land. The enemy will definitely want you to see what you don't want to see in order to put you off. The enemy will show you some stuff that will frighten you. The enemy will show you some stuff that will cause you to focus on fear because he does not want you to take the promised land. The enemy will inhabit your promised land. Your promised land might be a friend or a family member that you would love to come to know Jesus. But right now they don't know Jesus and the enemy inhabits that land. And so what he doesn't want is you fighting for it. So what he'll do is he will show you some stuff that frightens you. He will show you some stuff that will put you off. So that you say, hey, you know what, we can't take this. That person won't be able to come to know Jesus. But, you know, let's, let's just, we'll just be nice to them. And the enemy will not want you to possess that land because he will show you what you don't want to see. And when we focus on fear, we magnify it. When we focus on the fear, we magnify it. It becomes much bigger in our lives. I saw this spider and I was afraid of it and I focused on it. 
And when it moved away, it became bigger and bigger in my mind. And so I felt like I don't even want to go into the bathroom because it became bigger and bigger in my mind. And I focused on the wrong thing. I focused on fear. Fear magnifies things as much bigger than they are. I'm going to ask the band to come and join me. You see, our promised land problems can be bigger in our minds than what we think. And what you focus on, you magnify. And what you magnify, you make bigger. If you focus on the fears of life, you will constantly see yourself as no match. If you focus on the fears, you will constantly see yourself as like a grasshopper. That I cannot do this. That we cannot take this land. And so the rumor is spread around the camp of the, the size of the people living in this area. The rumor is spread around that this is a fortified city, that we're not going to be, be able to take it. And the 10 influence everyone else. The 10 people who focused on the fear influence everyone else. And later on in, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 26, it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home. They missed it. They missed it. And for the next 40 years, they're left wandering about because they missed it. I wonder if some of you are on the brink of your promised land. And we read this passage as a warning and example that you are on the brink of your promised land. And that you could see salvation in that person if you would focus on the right things, if you would change your perspective. I wonder if some of you are on the brink of salvation or on the brink of a breakthrough, but you are at this crucial moment of your life where you either focus in faith or in fear, on the potential or the problems, on the favor or the flaws. For those people, they didn't, they didn't have anything as a warning or as an example, but here is us with this privilege to hold this book and to read this story and to say we have this as a warning, as an example for what we're going to do, but yet some of us will just not listen to it. Some of us will see it as a great story and leave it, but what we're going to do is continue to focus on the wrong things and we're going to miss our promised lands and we're going to spend 40 years walking about. What if you were on the brink? On Friday night we had some young people share about, they got up on the stage, they took a microphone and they shared about how they were thankful for someone inviting them. They, someone in their school decided to invite them. Someone in their school decided to focus on the right thing and inherit the promised land. And now we had three of them stand up and speak over a microphone how God had changed their life because of an invite. But we had two of our, our leaders get up on a mic and share from the perspective of those people who weren't, haven't been invited yet, who haven't made the decision to come and let their lives be transformed by God but they shared from this almost a prophetic perspective of saying hey don't give up on me thank you for inviting me thank you for sharing your story for me thank you for continually asking me 
don't give up on me because the next invite might be the breakthrough. And I wonder if that's the same for your promised land, for the breakthrough in your life, for the provision in your life, for the salvation or healing in your life, that you're on the brink of it. And God is saying, hey, this is a monumental time of your life. If you would focus on the right thing, you will see breakthrough. But if you let fear, problems, and flaws be the main thing that you focus on, then you're going to miss it. That you are going to miss it. Church, can I encourage you this week to change your perspective, to focus on the right things, to focus on faith, on the favor that God has in your life and the potential of what could happen with your promised land. And that we would go out this week and I believe that some of us could see us take a promised land this week just by the right perspective. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to worship. But what is going to be your focus? Based on this passage, statistically, two of you will focus on faith and ten will focus on fear. What are you going to be? Are you going to be the one who focuses on faith this week and sees the promised land as something we can take this? Or are we just going to wander around saying we were within touching distance of it? Father God, I pray, would you challenge us, God, to be the people that focus on the right things, that we would focus with faith of what you could do in and through our lives, God, that you have promised us some things, you've promised us our, our, our land, you've promised us salvation, you've promised us household salvation, you've promised us breakthrough is coming, but we now have our responsibility to focus on the right thing. God, I pray that you would help us. Do you give us eyes to see? Would you lift our eyes off the, the, the enemy? Would you lift our eyes off the things that worry us and scare us? And lift our eyes to you, God, focusing on you, having faith in you. And that we would see people take steps towards their promised land. We would see people who are on the brink of their promised land see salvation, see breakthrough this week because they chose to focus on the right thing.